everybody. Welcome to I Like It Spooky Horror Podcast Indie Spotlight. I'm Brian. I'm Leah Stalker. I am Clint. And Leah, I, I hope what we discuss here today, um, it saves us from the gore porn of the inaugural edition of Indie Spotlight. I hope we did right by it this time. All is absolutely forgiven. I even have it in my notes. See, we, ju- we were talking about our notes and we can't start get- digging into the notes without recording, but I have it directly in my notes. This is my kind of movie. This is the kind of stuff that I watch. This is like something that I would pick if I were to select a movie for myself. So I'm still not even that mad about the first one. I will put that out there, but this is definitely more my level when it comes to horror movies. You know, what's interesting is Brian selected this movie and I have wanted to see this movie. I saw a trailer for it. I don't know, a month ago, two months ago, it uh, just came out this year in 2023. And so when he said, we're doing this and I'm like, oh, what's that? And I look it up and I go, oh shit, I wanted to watch this anyway. So perfect. Well, it's 2024 now. Well, yeah, that's right. I don't know what year it is. It's fine. (laughs) I'm going to be fucking up my checks here for a good month at least. So it doesn't matter. There's always leeway in January when it comes to that. In my day job, I have to do a lot of dates and the entirety of it is 2023. 24, 23, 24, just going back and forth. It's kind of like when you're mom and you've got siblings and then you're never called your name the first time and they're always calling out the other siblings' names. It's just like that. So it looks like it came out March 1st of 2023 was the initial release. But with most independent stuff, they maybe have a premiere and it comes out and they struggle to find distribution or they find distribution and it still takes time, you know, for it to get to streaming and on physical media if they do that. But I was actually, I didn't really pick this. I was offered this film by the company that's doing the distribution for us to screen and watch. And they sent us a screener and we could watch it. Um, It's also on Tubi and you can rent it on, I think, Prime and Apple TV also. So it's already out. You can check it out. Um, But it's still slowly getting pushed out to other places. And real quick, if anybody who is listening clicked on the link to listen to this podcast, saw that it says, older guys and you're wondering why leo is excited to watch a movie called older guys it was a typo the name of this movie this indie film that we're discussing this go around is older gods chris thank you for following the breadcrumbs i knew you'd be the one to find them now listen to my voice my breathing is steady I sound fully conscious I'm not what you all think I am if you look through our findings you'll see that we'd found sites out of the way places to perform their depravities we looked wherever there were reports of Overindulgent murders, anything ritualistic. And we found lots of them. We realized we'd walked into that trap. They were tracking us. Are you burdened with religion, Mr. Duffy? Do you know why he doesn't answer our prayers? He's scared, terrified of waking something far older than him. He knows that by helping us, it would notice him. You see, your God is a coward. 
It answers me when I call. It listens. It tells me. When it wakes, I will be rewarded for my devotion. And when it makes this world drown, I won't offer my hand to save any of you. Older guys should just be for the recording of the podcast on Zencaster. <laughs> we use Zencaster to record our podcast. So hopefully I put older gods in the episode title. I think it should just be older guys from here on out. It's older guys from now on. But I will say just talking about like, oh, why is Leah excited about this? This movie, not to not to dive right in, but I'm going to dive right into the first scene is that, you know, me, I'm a creep. And the fact that right away they had those were COD, like the skull masks. Those are what the COD cosplayers wear that I really like from Mask Talk. <laughs> so I was drawn in. I was like, there's a bunch of dudes in masks looming in the woods. I'm here for it. So my inner creep instantly loved this film from the first shot. The film that we watched is Lovecraftian inspired, if that gives anybody kind of a, a clue as to the tone. I never have a synopsis ready, and I have one right here. You guys ready for the synopsis? Yep. Yes. 2024, New Year. Clint's here with a synopsis right off the bat. A man descends into madness as he tries to investigate an apocalyptic cult that caused the death of his friend. That sums it up. That Yeah, that sounds about right. That's what I watched. <laughs> and that's that's our time here, folks. Go, uh, go to Tubi, watch it. <laughs> Hope you like it. We'll talk to you guys later. I will say, by the way, I did watch it on Tubi. It was easy to watch on Tubi and it was minimal ads. Just to toss that out there to anyone who is thinking about watching it and hears us talking about it and wants to check it out for themselves. Tubi was completely fine. I didn't even sign into it. It let me watch it with ease and it wasn't really bad. My Hulu has more ads than that did. So that was a great part of it. I noticed that too, and I was curious if it's because it's um, a lesser-known indie project, and so there weren't as many. Com when I had the commercial breaks, it was like for me, it was the the Aldi's commercial. It was like a thirty-second spot, and then it, it went right back into the movie. So I didn't have a lot of breaks either. And it's from Wagyu Films. I mean, that's how it looks like it's pronounced. And it's the same spelling as the Wagyu steak. So I would imagine that's how it's pronounced. So and they have it looks like a couple other films in production, um, including Firstborn. So they're putting stuff out and it Firstborn looks a kind of along the same lines, maybe a Lovecraftian film. It's Leah's wheelhouse, but I don't feel like it's right into mine. But it also didn't have a lot of the Lovecraftian um, monsters and gods and deities in it. So you pull a little bit more of that in. That stuff's fun. A couple things is, uh, yeah, I agree. I think that I'm kind of in the middle. I think Brian's going to be to the left of this. Leah's going to be to the right, whichever side you want. And I'm going to be in the middle uh, as far as enjoying the film and the content. But another thing is this film had a $500,000 budget. And this is, I'm actually glad we're covering this because this is a great example of like another layer or level of indie. This was a well done movie. It was well shot. I'm not surprised that they have other projects in the works. They were competent filmmakers. And what I think is kind of funny is Brian and I yesterday recorded the main show. And I almost feel that the movie we discussed that we covered on the main show should be on this show. And the movie we are covering here, Older Guys, I mean, Gods, should have <laughs> been on the main show. Uh, great, great quality, competent filmmakers, beautiful cinematography. But Brian, I'm with you. Um, it was well acted. I mean, I could go on and on about the, the 
things I enjoyed, but I do wish it was a little more Lovecraftian, a little more monsterish than the humanistic side. But with that said, I I did enjoy it. Okay, you guys are gonna get mad at me. Lovecraft is like the Ch- Cthulhu thing, right? Okay, Cthulhu, yeah, Cthulhu. Okay, I've I've heard of Lovecraft. The monsters aren't really my thing all the time, so that's not really the first thing that I go for. Is like I like fantasy stuff, but that's not always the first thing I dive into. So it's no disrespect to it. I'm just not well versed in it. So you guys just keep saying that you want it to be more Lovecraft, and I don't know exactly what that is. I'm gonna be completely honest, but I do know the Cthulhu thing. Right. We're talking about HP Lovecraft. And actually, I'm not a big monster person either. I'm more madmen and psychos and zombies and chainsaws and hookers and stuff. But especially hookers. HP Lovecraft is kind of the granddaddy of all horror in, in some respects. And there are a lot of modern films, Evil Dead, for example, Necronomicon, the Book of the Dead. I mean, that is all HP Lovecraft inspired. So a lot of the things that we enjoy now are inspired by these early works. But this was more of a literal interpretation of of Lovecraft stuff with the monster rising up out of the lake and the the cosmos inspired killers and the ancient gods and all that. Got it. Okay. Excellent. Now I'm now I'm on track with it. Now I've got it. They didn't have chainsaws to have chainsaw maniacs back in HP Lovecraft's days, so we got squid face monsters. Yeah. yeah, this would be considered like Lovecraft light. So this is a good like introduction to Lovecraft because you get a little sprinkle of the cult and the feel that they want you to join them and they have these monsters that they worship and they're kind of different without getting the full monster effect. And I wrote down a movie that I want to cover eventually with Leah and Clint, The Void. It's way more Lovecraft-inspired stuff with monsters and people, and I don't know if you've seen that, Clint. No, but I I know what you're talking about, and and, and to a degree, it's the same concept of worshiping that ancient god in the cosmos, and not not to trample on what you're saying here, but it's it's a line that I enjoyed in this movie, and I'm paraphrasing, but there was a, a point in this movie where they were like, God talking about, you know, Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit, God, afraid to acknowledge this monster because he is an older god and will devour him, so he ignores him. I, I thought that was an interesting concept. But yeah, so the, the Void really tackles more into, delves more into what you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, just more more monster stuff. Kind of think, uh, oh, who's the guy that does the body horror all the time? Why can't I never think of that director's name? You know, they did like Reanimator and, you know, he does a lot of that stuff. Anyways, it has more of that body horror monster element to it. Stuart fucking Gordon. That name eluded me also, <laughs> but yeah, Stuart Gordon. Yeah, more, The Void has maybe more of a Stuart, Stuart Gordon feel to it. I will say that definitely how you're saying that this is kind of like the footsteps towards all those monsters and things. I completely agree with it. The reason why I loved this movie so much was because... Because, you know, like my first favorite horror movie, Blair Witch Project. And in my opinion, this had a lot of vibes to that where it's like you're unsettled. You don't know what's happening. There's things coming and going, that sort of thing. The other one that I really love is The Witch. Um, That's always my wheelhouse where you're not always overtly seeing the big bads, but you have you're just on the edge of your seat the entire time. And this if that's your thing, this is perfect for that, in my opinion, because 
you don't know. So Leah's a cult fan. And that just tells me that if you see Leah in person, wherever it's at, and she says, here, have some Kool-Aid. Don't drink it. Stay away from the Kool-Aid. I think one of the first images in this film was like a Blair Witch kind of style clump of sticks, wasn't it? Wasn't that the first image we saw? I was still focused on the masked men, so I'm not sure about that. Uh, She's like, I I love the masked men. I love the masked men. But it's the thing, too. Even if you just look at the cover of it, it has that very ominous tree with ropes hanging from it. I have it in my notes. Just this is what I wrote Like as I was watching it was, I'll be honest, this is my kind of horror. I like the small clips of the person suffocating, the uncomfortable, on-edge feeling that the film provokes. He's outside at night. Oh, that that was my thing. That was my thing. He was outside at night, and the car alarm is going off. In real life, we would go out there and we would turn off that fucking alarm because it's annoying as shit. But that's not the goal. He's out there in the dark with a flashlight. There's a man lingering around. The alarm is going off. You are so stressed. You feel everything that he's feeling. And that's the kind of stuff that I like. I don't need someone right in my face ripping out someone's uterus. Kudos. Like, it's still good. (laughs) But, But if I have an alarm going off and there's all this other stuff, that's enough to get my heart rate going. So I'm excited about it because I love that kind of stuff. I love the feeling that invokes and just, I'm a naturally anxious person. I just like stuff that makes me feel more anxious, I guess. That scene in particular, because I, I didn't write down a lot of notes about this, that scene in particular, I wrote off, turn off your fucking alarm. And I un- underlined alarm and put an exclamation point. But I got it because what they were trying to convey there was that he was so mesmerized and focused on the danger that, that was coming at him. He didn't realize that alarm was going off because, yeah, it went off for like an obscene amount of time. Exactly. One with a lighter budget, I feel like a lot of these movies are going to work with what they have. They're going to give you the flashes of the suffocation where they can't give, I can't give you all of it because I can't budget wise give you a person suffocating. I don't have the means to do that, but I can give you a flash of it and use it against you. And I can give you the car alarm so that you're hearing that car alarm and you're maybe not paying attention to something else that I didn't have budget to spend on that's in the movie. You know, that's an old Hollywood trick where they they distract you with something because they don't have the money to do what something that would cost $10 million could hide. Well, that's something I brought up when we covered Darius was I, I said, sometimes I wonder if when you watch these indie films, if it is lack of competency. And that's what you get. And then it can be uh, dismissed off as artistic direction. But yeah, a lot of it is working within your means and making things work. And um, you really get some brilliant ideas and just simple things like the flashes of the taillight or the car alarm going off forever to portray that he is focused on the danger. uh, Yeah, cheap and effective ways and brilliant. One of the most, the other really provoking scene was when he was in the woods. And once again, from the cover art, you have that tree it just has ropes super simple and then birds just start dropping whole fucking field of them and that's a theme throughout and that's the thing too is we always try to tell the line of how much we're going to give away because we do want people to watch this movie so i don't want to give away too much but he is set in a cottage it's in the middle of nowhere in wales and then they have they utilize that a couple times where they fill that space uh with birds and then there's other things that happen where you just see swarms of things in this empty void of space and it's so alarming it's so unsettling but the the field of birds was terrible i loved it 
So we gave a synopsis, but maybe we should explain a little bit what's going on. Obviously, we want people to go watch it. But the film starts with a young kind of business type, successful looking man coming to this farmhouse. It looks like an Airbnb that he rented. Um, and we find out that he has this um, packet with him. A friend of his has just passed away. This guy was so distraught about his friend's passing that he just left his pregnant wife, didn't tell her where he was going. He left his job, didn't tell his job where he was going, went to this cottage in the middle of nowhere in Wales and wanted to take a few days. And at first you're kind of like, okay, is he just trying to grieve or figure out what happened because his friend killed himself? And then you find out through a USB, the guy, his friend who had died had recorded a message for him. This guy and a crew, I'm sorry, the friend who died and his crew was like exploring this cult across the globe and all these people that worship this ancient, ancient God who is asleep. You know, he gets tangled up in the cult and it turns into a mystery almost, you know, because his friend isn't there to grieve him. He's there to uncover that mystery. And so, of course, things ensue and, you know, things increase and we, we get introduced to more cult members as we go along. But heavy on the narrative, heavy on the narrative. And that was one of one of my issues. And I know that with these movies, we don't, you know, bash or pro because this is a great film. It looks great, but it was just super heavy on the narrative right off the bat. And I was like, oh boy, buckle in. Here we go. Like we said, we never want to bash a movie. It, right away, I'm going to say it's a beautiful movie. It's amazing. I'm going to hype up the lead actor, Chris, because a lot of it did rely on him. That man played off of a cell phone. He played off of an empty field. It was a lot of just him. And this was a wonderful actor. So I don't want you to think that I'm detracting from him or the film in any way. It's great. You have to see it. That being said, one of my major notes and issues was the idea in storytelling to show me, don't don't tell me. And this entire thing, unfortunately, was just telling me. And I understand that we're getting the information as Chris is receiving it from Billy, but so much of it is just zoned in on Billy's face. And he's just telling us the entire story beginning to end. And then even when we do meet more of the cult members and the the gods and this, that, and the other, it's a lot more of just, we're going to info dump on you. Good luck. And I don't know how they could have done it better. I'm not saying I, and I don't want to detract without having a, a way to make it better. It just felt so narrative heavy. Yeah, I think they could have used more of maybe the artwork. You've seen some of the artwork in the background and there was great artwork, but maybe show me while he's talking instead of seeing his face show me some of the stuff he's talking about. Maybe some of the sketches and some of the pictures of the gods or the members or some of the rituals that they've kind of came across. You know, that would have been a cool way to do that. I think info dump was the best best way to describe it. And the other thing was it was very complex. It wasn't like you really had to pay attention to grasp what was going on. And plus they all had British accents, which it wasn't like they were hard to understand. I watched this pretty late last night after I was at the Nugget doing a bunch of stuff. And I was just, I really had to pay attention. But with that said, even though it was info dump, like you're saying, Leah, Brian, I don't know if you had an issue, but the, the pacing really wasn't that bad. It didn't really lag or drag. And when they did show you instead of tell you i thought it was amazing one of the best things i thought this movie offered was there were these people who were almost like vessels and their eyes were, were glazed over like they were possessed these like clear coat eyes and they were just so creepy and they're walking in the woods and they were like what was it uh open the door and find the light and they just kept whispering open the door and find the light open the door and find the light 
Open the door, light the way. Light the way, yeah, yeah. Over and over and over. And I just thought their presence, they were almost zombie-like, filled with rage, and they were trying to attack Chris at some points. And then he, later on in the movie, inadvertently, because the cult guy is in his head trying to get him to kill these people, to open the door and light the way to this ancient god. Join us, become a violent killer like us. And he inadvertently kills one. The vessel guy's eyes all of a sudden go to normal, and he looks like confused and just drops to the ground. It was amazing. Or like you said earlier, the birds, you know, just uh, amazing visuals. There was one part, uh, you did just mention it, but just to really lay it out because it was my absolute favorite thing was the, the God was in his head and said, she's a door, you hold the key in your hand. And suddenly he had a machete, the most yeah. wicked looking knife in his hand. So to have someone say, she's a door, you hold the key and he's holding a knife. It was amazing. That was so good. It was a little bit unintentionally funny, but I still respected it just because it's like you have the key. It's a fucking knife. It wasn't even just the machete. It had this curved in. And Brian, all I could think of was the knife that the guy had in Planet Terror that he used to castrate people and put their <laughs> balls in his trophy thing. I'm like, oh, it's the castration thing. Ugh. I do agree. Like, I, I hope I didn't rant too hard about the narration part of it. There were so many amazing visuals in it. And like, there's at one point he was making out with a scalpel and I was fine with that. It was, it you know, like I said, I can do some gore. I'm not sitting here saying like it was very tastefully aesthetic gore. And I was really here for it. It kind of reminded me a lot, maybe of seven or something like that, where everything it's very disgusting. But at the same time, you're just God, that looks so freaking cool. So it was wonderfully done. So maybe in those points, like you said, Brian, is that, you know, when you're having all that narration, show me more. I know you can do it. I know you've got that B-roll of that goodness. So just toss that in there a little bit more. I'll eat it up. It'll be delicious. Well, one of the things I did unintentionally was it's chaptered out throughout the movie. Did you guys notice that? I'm sure you did. I mean, it, yeah, there's four parts. And I uh, was like, well, I'm going to take a break. Obviously, this is a breaking spot. I can go to the bathroom, get something to drink. So after each part, I just found myself pausing it, going to do something because I had Finlay home with me today and coming back, catching another, what is it, an hour and 28 minutes long? Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe like a 25 minutes each time. So I kind of would take it all in and then I'd go get a drink check on her see what she's doing then I would come back to it one of the things that maybe makes this so heavy is the guy that wrote and directed it did the movie after his friend passed during COVID I don't know if you guys read that but did yeah on internet movie database yeah and it says the story was written after director David Roberts friend passed away during the pandemic when told he couldn't see his friend because of quarantine he was instead informed that he could have a video call with him the next day. Unfortunately, his friend passed away before they got a chance to talk. The story of older gods was written in David's grief and guilt of not being able to talk to his friend before it was too late and ultimately discovered what people are willing to do to try to remove that weight of guilt. And that's what this guy's doing. And when I read that and hearing it again from your mouth, I just got goosebumps because we always try to find that even if even on the main show, I mean, if we're talking about Troll 2, I, I want to know what the uh, motivation was. You know what I mean? When I heard that, I thought, because Leah, there's the scene where Chris is verbally working through his grief, talking to the, the God that's in his head talking to the voice and that was such a well-acted scene and there was such emotion where he's talking about the guild and he's like i'm 
the one who's got scars from standing between him and his piece of shit father and all of that stuff. And I was, I just, I noticed it. You could hear it. You could feel it like this is real. And then when I heard that, I was like, oh, wow, this is just, it makes, oh, it's a whole nother layer of amazing to this movie. So I'm going to be honest. I did not read that beforehand. I usually go into everything very much. Um, I don't read anything beforehand because I'm the sort of person where I'll dwell on that the entire time. I can't just be in the moment in the movie because I'll be thinking the entire time of like, how does this play into this? Which I know like is important. It doesn't detract from it so much, but just knowing me, but now hearing Brian explain that and like, I'm actually like a little, I'm a little flaclamped because especially, like I said, I will talk up Chris, the lead actor constantly. But the, the part that I'm thinking of is when he was on the phone with Billy's mother and now it's making me so extra sad to think about that. That's so, oh my God. Even with Darius, we, you know, we always joke about it being gore porn, but there were so many parts of that where we were like, no, he's working through it. It's great. And with this now, that's such an epic layer to it. It's so devastatingly sad. Oh, but it's beautiful. It's beautiful to capture those emotions in a movie like that because it is a lovely movie. The cinematography, the story, the pacing, the acting. We can sit there and always find something to nitpick just because that's that's the life of watching films. But it was so beautiful and what a good tribute to his friend and his own grief. It also aids to, in part two, each part has its own um, title. Part two was down the rabbit hole. And there was a line in part two that I shared with a friend today. Now that I have read that or Brian just mentioned it. Um, I know that it has a different meaning than what it meant for me, but it was still strong. It came out and just smacked me in the fucking face. And the line was life isn't a rehearsal. Don't waste it. And that just stuck out, you know, like, so there, this film had a lot that it was trying to say, and it chose to uh, express it in this cult style Lovecraftian you know backdrop of a film so it even makes the ending um, where you know he gets so lost and everything he's lost trying to figure out what happened to Billy and then when there is resolution there is you know we mentioned that he has his wife he has a child on the way that sort of thing and he wants to go and do that and throw himself into that and it, now thinking of part of this aspect of it and how he wrote it for his friend it's the idea of waiting through your grief, but then you still have to live. You have to, you can't, you can't end yourself because other people did or because something happened. You have to live your own life, especially living on for your child and the other people that you love. Oh no, there's so much, so much more depth to it than I thought. Well, that's okay. I'm going to bring us back to Funland for a minute. Okay. <laughs> I am one of those people that I hate when I'm watching a movie. I don't care if it's at home and I got someone with me or friends, whatever. Or I'm in the theater and you hear people like, don't run up the stairs, you stupid bitch or something like that. You know what I mean? Talking to the thing. And so there's a, a scene in part three called Revelations where he goes out, he's deciding he's going to leave and he's going to get in his car. And then he looks off in the distance and there's the one lone cult member who we get to know as the watcher and is just staring at him from a distance. And then the watcher throws his keys at him, right? <laughs> it was so funny. And then the watcher just stands there for a minute and the keys are probably a good, I don't know what, you know, 20 yards away from or 20 feet away from him or whatever. And all of a sudden the watcher just scrambles off the screen real quick and he runs in the house and I'm sitting there out loud going, go to your, get your fucking keys. He ran the other way. He's like 50 feet away. And then later on, 
in that e it gets dark and he wanders out into the woods to you know what i mean to track down whatever and i'm like you fucking idiot you wouldn't in the daylight go 10 20 feet to grab your keys and get out of there but you're gonna wait till it's dark and wander in the woods you deserve to get the circle within a circle carved on your back dumbass so i'm talking to the tv yeah oh god There's a huge monster. There's gods in his head. But the thing that's unbelievable is why wouldn't you just go get your fucking keys? Yeah. <laughs> um, actually, when the when the watcher ran off, my note just says stalker zoom. <laughs> because because <laughs> he just booked it. It was so funny. Didn't it look like Scooby Doo? Like they were like, you know, running in place and then he took off. One hundred percent, it did. Like it was a very ominous thing. I did think that it would. Like if I was going to get in my car and someone threw me my fucking keys, are you kidding me? Just walk down the road, bro. Like just go because that is scary as shit. But yeah, and then all of a sudden I was just yoinked out of it because all of a sudden the, the stalker just zoomed up. Brian, what did you think about the cop? There was this kind of a, a couple characters who you were that Chris encountered throughout this whole journey. Um, and the cop really being the main one, he encountered him early on and he was very suspect. He was very sus. And then when Chris is at the end of the movie, he's in the hospital and he's kind of cheated the cult, he thinks. And the cop is there again. And then we end the movie with another dead bird in the hallway. Did you think the cop was part of the cult? I almost thought yes, because the cop shows up and they, you know, they do their thing. You know, was there somebody really here? Blah, blah, blah. And he asked him at the end when he's leaving, can I see your ID? And he's like, have a good day, sir. Doesn't show it to him. And there was that long pause. And then he just looks at him like. Exactly. And then the cop comes to check on him at the end of the movie. And he's like, oh, I came back around. I didn't. Not sure why you would come back around. He didn't act like he believed him in the first place. So why would you come back to check on him? And then he leaves and there's a dead bird there. So it was the one part of the movie that I didn't understand. Again, a whole lot of narration, a whole lot of complexity. But I was I was able to I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I'm not the dumbest. I was able to follow along. But the ending, I thought that was just wrapped up kind of funny because basically the way that Chris's friend Billy escaped the cult and joining them in their madness was you think he committed suicide, but you find out that he basically just didn't kowtow to their demands. And they, I think, killed him. Chris has this revelation in his final stand against like the, the lead cult leader guy and decides to stab himself in the neck. And you think he's dead because then he goes to this heaven setting where he's talking with Billy, which again, knowing the backstory of the director, you got to wonder if that was him daydreaming of going to be able to talk to his friend one last time you know, to say goodbye, but then he's alive. So I'm like, oh, wait a minute. He didn't really cheat the cult because he's just still alive. I mean, he didn't, he stabbed himself in the neck, but so what? If he killed himself then he would elude them. But so I don't know if that part, that part didn't make any sense to me. Is the movie over? Is it going to continue? I guess I'm kind of leaning towards, would the story continue because of the dead bird? I would think that it left it open to where maybe more of those people will pop into his life or something like that, or it's going to have that unease of where he's always looking over his shoulder. It was very um, reminiscent to me of uh, the ending of Inception, where the little thing is spinning and you you don't really freaking know. So that's how it kind of was. I don't know. I don't know if it's truly over because like you said, it was more of not that definitive ending that Billy had. So who... It's hard to tell. If we're looking from the outside in, we're thinking to ourselves, is grief really ever over? You think you've dealt with all this stuff and you've buried your friend and you found out what happened. But in life, is grief ever behind you? 
Damn, Brian. You know, when you lose somebody you care about, like grief is always there. That was really lovely. That was really deep. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) He moonlights. He writes Hallmark cards also. Damn! I think a lot of this is from when he quote unquote worked at the psych ward. Extended stay. (laughs) (laughs) Is the psych ward ever really behind you? (laughs) (laughs) No, you're exactly right though, Brian. You can't say that any better. No, that was really good. Good job, Brian. And it's not on a script. (laughs) We're just like blowing her out of the water with these movies. We just. I know. Oh, we're going to show you this gore porn movie and we find meeting and everything in it. And then we watch this and we find meeting in this whole movie. Well, I mean, and this one was a little bit easier to find a lot of meaning in because it was such a thoughtful premise to begin with. But this is why you guys have really inspired me to get so into horror movies. As like I said previously, it was just, oh, they're just trying to freak me out. It's gore porn. They just want to, you know, be gross for the sake of being gross. And I had a very black and white two view of horror movies and so it is fun going through this journey of seeing like no this is why people like horror movies this is why people are so passionate about it because you know I always say I'm a spooky girl but I I, I feel like being a spooky girl is a little bit different from being a horror girl so it's it is fascinating for me to hear what everyone's reasoning is of why you would put so much time and effort into horror movies and I get it I totally get it well it's like we said before where the villain in a in a story in a narrative is the way to say how you really feel about life because you can dismiss it as the villain. It's the outcast. It's the outsider. And if you think about it, and I'm not trying to one up Brian on my on his deep thoughts by Jack Handy moments, but <laughs> there's a lot of a lot of things in life are scary. I mean, for some people, it's riding an elevator. For some people, it's being in aisle six in Meyer on Sunday when the store is busy, or the fear of being alone. We could go on and on. Life in general is a scary fucking place. So yeah, horror isn't just like you say chainsaws and hookers. Although I enjoy the chainsaw hookers aspect of horror. It's a way to really, I don't know, connect with other people and diffuse those things and, and tell your story. Cause again, this, the reasoning behind this movie is just fucking phenomenal. Mind blowing. Well, and especially even um, the whole basis of it too, just to take it really back to the movie is that the whole thing that they're trying to explore is called the primordial fear. And it's the idea that the universe is so vast and infinite that you see how insignificant we are and the thought process becomes an obsession of what is the point. Now, knowing the backstory of it, it makes you think that there are so many things that seem like they're such a big deal. Like, having a bad day at work and you've got to do this and you've got to do that. But then when you are faced with the death of a friend and and especially all of us going through the pandemic and how many things were taken away from us and how jumbled our way of lives become, then it's very easy to go, what is the point? What what are we doing? And so it's just, once again, making me look at the movie in a different light. Every time we watch a movie, I always have to watch it twice because I've got to watch it then with your guys' point of view in my head as I watch it. So ultimately what you're saying is the message behind this movie is go lick all the doorknobs and then we're all going to get together. We're going to jump out of an airplane naked with a cigarette hanging in one hand and a fuck you in the other. No, I took it too far. Live fast, die hard, cry hard. That's what we're going to do. We're just going to go all in balls to the wall. (laughs) All right. Because like the movie said, life isn't a rehearsal. Don't waste it. (sighs) 
I'm just going to start telling people when they say, what do you got to do this week? I'm going to say, oh, you know, go deal with the primordial fear instead of going to work. I'm just going to be like, and they're like, well, what are you, what are you afraid of? Like, well, Clint keeps trying to get me to skydive naked out of a plane with a cigarette and a fuck you. So I don't know. I'm scared of that. I don't <laughs> I haven't been answering answering Clint's calls. Go to work and be insignificant for their next lifetime. Just do our funny little work things and our funny little podcasts and our funny little conventions. <laughs> you know what? Hey, fine. If you guys won't fucking skydive naked out of an airplane with a cigarette in one hand and a fuck you in the other hand with me, then I think I know someone who might. Probably at least somebody, maybe Brian Clark, fucking somebody from our podcast network, the PFBN. So let's hear from them. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. So now that we've heard from our podcast network, what do we got going on next month? Anything? So look, I got to tell you so far, this indie spotlight thing, I've, I've really enjoyed this journey. I feel that we've kept our promise. We've covered two movies at the opposite end of the indie world spectrum. As far as I view it, we've covered some independent artists from conventions and stuff, but next month, Leah's got something special lined up for us. We're, we're going in a whole new indie direction. What do you got? So obviously when we first started talking about indie spotlight, we told you guys that we want to do absolutely everything. We've covered movies, we've covered artists and vendors. Let's get into some fucking indie music, though. That's something that's that I'm very passionate about. I've always really been to, into indie music. And the moment that I started pondering and thinking, what indie artist would I love to share with the spooky podcast community? The answer is Mangy Bones. much into a genre that's called murder folk or like a dark country sort of vibe. And these guys fit the bill perfectly. They're from the South. There's a lot of banjo going on. They are currently in the recording studio putting out their first full length album. I hit them up. I asked them if they would be interested in sending us over a little something, sending us a little info. They're so down and I am so personally fangirl excited to be able to share mangy bones with everyone. So that is what we're going to be doing next month and i'm super excited about it i'm excited too when you initially brought that idea to us which we talked about about a month ago when you presented it it was like a fucking firecracker just went off in my hand you were just like blah 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 blah, and i was like oh my god i love it and i immediately punched up the band listened to the music i loved it too i love all genres i tend to go for more hard stuff but i was listening and i actually told a friend i said 
this sounds like your music and my music blending. And it's also got that kind of like 60s garage rock echoey kind of vibe to it um, also. So yeah, they, they cover a lot of ground. Really cool. I can't wait to have them on the show. Excited, like you guys all said, to go from movies to artists now to music. I guess we got to start working on lining up a comic book and an author too. We know some people. We know a few people. Oh, we absolutely know some people. 100%. I know people. They don't know us, but we know them. I know them. I've seen them. <laughs> <laughs> through the window you are the watcher you are the watcher in older guys i mean older gods (laughs) (laughs) the resident stalker here to do her job (laughs) that is your last name you do have a lot of hype to live up to yeah i just don't usually stalk older guys but it's fine if that's your thing (laughs) (laughs) oh boy what do we do with that i don't know brian's just fucking laughing (laughs) it was david cronenberg was the director i was trying to think of earlier Oh, okay. It had nothing to do with Reanimator. That's why when I threw out Stuart Gordon, I was like, well, he doesn't really specialize in body horror, but oh, he did. He was a gory director. Okay, cool. We're just talking about next month's episode and stalking people, and Brian just tries to put the fucking director's name out of nowhere. Well, I finally remembered who it was. <laughs> An hour, a half hour later. It takes me a while. It's busy upstairs. Totally fine. It's all good. <laughs> Got a lot of voices up there. One of my hats in this endeavor here is sometimes the voice of reason. So I just want to remind you guys, the movie that we did discuss earlier in this episode was Older Gods. If you're into dialogue-driven, slow, kind of atmospheric, creepy horror, Lovecraftian stuff, watch this. It is worth the watch. It is well done. It's got a lot of great meaning. And hopefully you guys tune into the next Indie Spotlight as we bounce over to music. That's it. That's all. I think we're all ready to go. You can check us out a bunch of places too. And you can check out Leah and Pierre McCobb some places. And sometimes we do some <laughs> other stuff when Leah and I decide that we have time to do it. That's about it, really. Yeah. I'm going to go listen to some Mangy Bones. You guys wrap the show up, okay? I'll see you guys later. He left. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the I Like It Spooky Horror Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Check out Mishmash for your Michigan Mitten Monster happenings with Leah Stalker. Hell yeah. Appendages for your crack on Redbox free streaming movies. Spill the guts that will be returning soon and have a good 2024. Bye bye. Bye. Hey, what's wrong with you, man? Show some fucking respect for the dead, will you?